0: Yeah, I love my HBCU, and Bob I love it, love it, I love it, love it. I love my HBCU, and man, I hope my team they won one. Yeah, I hope my team they won one. Yeah, man, I hope my team they won one.
1: Yeah,
0: I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I tune into the ACCU sports lab to see if my team wanna load.
2: Yeah.
1: If they loud, yeah. I'm quiet as a mouth. Yeah. But if they won, you keep tab, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, yeah. he know what he be talking about, talkin'
0: my about. control. Talkin they know what they be talking yeah. talkin about, They yeah. compress the analytic data with this hip hop. Yeah. If you know him like I know him, they gon' tell you if your team, if they wanna load, yeah. So listen to Professor Yes. And pay
2: attention because so I- he gonna teach a lesson. This is Dr. Vils inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. The brothers are back again.
1: Back together
2: again, I guess they would say. How you doing, Mike?
1: Oh man, I'm I'm just I'm just groovy, man. What's going on in the <laughs> The year 2022 <laughs> our lord getting it started getting it started right trying to work around this this changing weather and all of this this COVID 19 omicron madness mm-hmm.
2: yeah, i see very true very true uh <laughs> charles are you doing groovy as well or <laughs> <laughs> yeah i like that i like groovy Good. well
0: semester getting ready to start back up everybody's getting ready to get back at it uh for this spring 22 semester so it's it's
2: time to get back up and going in the lab here. There we go. Shout out to the lab listeners as we get it going. Welcome to episode 228 of Inside the HBC Sports Lab radio show and podcast. The show that's covering the sporting HBCU dash for all things HBCU sports from institutions large or small. From the NAIA to the NCAA, we share insights and information on the HBCU sports culture, HBCU athletic aesthetics to facilitate the story of HBCU athletic programs in the business of HBCU sports. I'm your host. Dr. Kenyatta along with my co-host, Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. We're filming from our home studios and sending a signal live to KCH 1230 AM studios with the Texas Radio Hall of Famer in the beautiful home of Texas Southern University from Houston, Texas. Shout out to the live listeners before we get in there, those that are jumping in, getting on board, Chuck Hunt, as always, Michael Ford says, good evening, Wendell Davis. What's going on, Brother Davis? Billy Alex Hyde, David Nash, Lonnie Shaw is in the lab as always. Good to see you, Lonnie. Ricky Burton, see you as well. We in the lab, baby. I see you. Good evening in the lab from the 205. I see you. I see you. I got it. Genoa Sartine is in the house. No more Price. Bashan Harris. Sarah Beverly. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. News of the day. News of the day. Let's go straight to Professor Bishop, what do you got going
0: on? Yeah, let's go with the NFL announces prospects to attend the 2022 HBCU Combine. Uh, this comes from NFL.com. The NFL, in, particip- uh, in partnership with Tiny ball has announced the names of players that will attend the 2022 HBCU Combine uh, presented by Microsoft Surface, which will be held January 28th and Saturday, uh, January 29th, at University of South Alabama. But uh, some names that are going to be uh, at the combine Dee Anderson from Alabama AM and Club Glass, Ezra Gray, Felix Harper. I'm going to jump around here a little bit. Keith Corbin from Jackson State, Jerry Garner from Mississippi Valley State, Juwan Carter from Norfolk State, Chris Myers from Norfolk State, Corey Banks from North Carolina AT, Jonathan Giles from Texas Southern. Jeff Proctor from Texas Southern and Will Adams from Virginia State. Uh just a bunch of guys listed on here. fear Kelly, Jack Chad Grill Kilcrest, uh, representing South Carolina State, Marquise McLean from Southern. So uh, quite a bit of names that really made a lot of noise this past season, 2021, that will be attending this combine. So uh congratulations to uh those. Players that are participating. And I also want to mention uh, this year's combine will include members of the HBCU Development and Women's Pipeline Initiative. So uh, some of the names uh, that mentioned in there are Lauren Askeball from Jackson State. She's an athletic trainer. Regan Davis Young from Winston-Salem State. Uh, Brianna Robinson from Florida Memorial. So you got another list of, of um, uh, Women's Pipeline Initiative members who will be uh, at this uh, HBCU combine as well.
2: Thank you. Fascinating. The HBCU Combine is back. live and well is seen. Great information there. Let's go to Professor Washington. What you got going on? Getting on
1: yeah from, the, it yeah, from the desk of uh, the MEAC. It is official former MEAC commissioner. Dr. Mm-hmm. Dennis Thomas will be inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. So congratulations him. This is the former MEAC commissioner. Uh, will be inducted as part of the 2020 College Football Hall of Fame, which it was officially unveiled on yesterday. We know he was an offensive lineman at Al- Alcorn. Let me make sure I see that right. Uh, Thomas was a two-time Pittsburgh Courier All-American, 1972-73. He was named SWAC Conference Offensive Player of the Year in 1973, the first and only lineman. To win that award, he beat out Jackson State legend Walter Payton for the award that season. Interesting tidbit, another data point. So Thomas was a member of the Braves 1970 SWAC championship team, and his teams went a combined 27, 8, and 1. So following his playing career, Thomas embarked on a career in athletics administration that saw him serve as the assistant coach at his alma mater. Head coach at South Carolina State from 1986 to 1988, director of athletics at Hampton University, and commissioner of the MEAC from 2002 to 2021. So many other accolades that we can get to not give to Dr. Thomas. So many other facts, <clears throat> but congratulations to him. The uh, football uh, uh, football Hall of Fame class will be officially inducted during the 64th annual. NFF annual awards dinner on December 26th. That's about 11 months from now. 11 and a half give or take and permanently uh immortalized at the Chick-fil-A College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta, ATL, Georgia. So congratulations to Dr. Thomas. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah. you better get your tongue right I know put your tongue. Gonna...
2: you better put that all all in it at yeah, yeah. be- all Alcorn, yeah. corn. They all corn I'm, I'm so sorry, people.
1: Alcorn. Alcorn, Alcorn, whatever. <laughs> hey, those, <laughs> hey, those
0: Alcornites will come after you. <laughs> yeah, they're
2: going to pick you, They go, that ain't got nothing to do with me. It, man, it is, is so, so serious, serious. I got corrected
1: by me. Jackson State. Was my folks. understanding on the <laughs> serious <laughs> I got corrected by Jackson State and Southern folks. You need to say Alcorn right. <laughs> 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 they just I was
2: like just that they help school. you out, man. Wow. They try to help you out, man. They try to help you out. My understanding that he going in as a player, obviously you're gonna weigh everything over such a distinguished career, but I think it's fascinating he's going in under as a player. Obviously, offensive lineman award um in terms of Swag offensive player of the year as an offensive lineman is just amazing. I doubt that feat will ever be done again. Um, in just about any league for that matter. So that's fascinating when you talk about that. Charles, you got some other news that's going on that you want to discuss get on the
0: tape? Yeah, let's go with it. Grambling State to honor Basketball Hall of Famer and alumnus Willis Reed. grandma plans mm-hmm. to honor Willis Reed this upcoming Saturday by naming this basketball court after him and retiring his jersey, of course, the great Willis Reed, former New York Knick, when he played for Grambling from 1960 to 1964, he averaged 18.7 points and 15.2 rebounds per game, leading to Grambling to two SWAG championships during his tenure. So uh, congratulations to, uh, to uh, Willis Reed and his family with regards to the naming of Grambling's court after one of their legends. Huge, huge uh, uh, memory for Willis Reed there.
2: Yeah, I really appreciate it. i uh, see you shout out to Dr. Scott over here, Dr. Travion Scott, VP of uh, Intercollegiate Athletics. I'm sure that uh, he was played a big part in terms of making sure that came to fruition. A great class, great touch, um, great way to get people involved. I'm um, fascinated to see how all that turns out. Great news there and update. Mike, let's go
1: back to you and see what you got else on the table. All right, how about we go talk about Bowie State? Their head mm-hmm. coach received accolades and honors well-deserved. So after leading uh, Bowie State for probably the best season in the history of their football program, head coach Damon Wilson was been na- has been named American Football Coaches Association, AFCA Division II National Coach of the Year. Let me just wow. say that again, just in case. Let me pause for effect. Coach Damon Wilson has been named the American Football Coaches Association Division II National Coach of the Year. Everybody knows Bowie State win 9-1 and overall. Perfect record against Division II opposition. 7-0 record against opponents. Uh, extended its streak against CIAA teams to 21 games, including two conference championship games and a non-conference game against Charles with their last loss coming in 2018, October of 2018. Interesting data point. They won the third straight CIAA championship once again, defeating Fayetteville State Broncos, which kind of seems to be kind of a consistent theme each year. <laughs> up, that's neither here nor there. But congratulations big time to Coach Wilson. Well deserved. I know no, you know, maybe very few, you know, I can count them on one hand, other coaches that deserve to be mentioned, but you know, just this Bowie State program, I can't say enough about it.
2: Yeah, fascinating. Um, we had Coach On to give him our announcement of recognizing the State Bulldogs as our mid-major uh, HBCU national champion um, this year. Their third in a row, obviously, as you said third in the last four years, the third in a row, because there was no 2020 season because of COVID. But this is fascinating in terms of history, making uh, it's been such a long time, my understanding, since uh, the great – legendary FAMU coach, Coach Gaither, in terms of being recognized at the Division two level for Coach of the Year's last time we've seen it. Uh, you go back to the NAIA days with Prairie View, Billy Nicks getting recognized. But you don't see this very often um, for HBCU coach, African-American, Black uh, individual to get this type of award. So kudos, kudos to Damien Wilson. As they say uh, in the vernacular, the price just went up. price just mm-hmm. went up. 12-2 and two overall record, as you talk about. Fascinating, great season, multiple seasons, kind of stack on and make it easy. Yeah, kudos to coach Damon Wilson. Uh have to reach back out to him and get his thoughts on this. Uh, it's a huge award. His quote is, this is the ultimate team award, end quote. Love the way he always brings his coaches in here. And he further states that by saying, quote, I appreciate the recognition, but it's impossible to win this award without great coaches, players, and alumni buy-in. I understand the impact of this war in this history. End quote. Perfectly said, as you would imagine, for Coach Wilson. Going back to you, Charles, any other news that you want to get out there?
0: Yeah, it's almost like we have to have this news dump from, from Friday all the way to Tuesday, but uh, definitely Friday, this past Friday, Florida AM's uh, Isaiah Land. He won the, the Buck Buchanan oh, Award, yeah. best uh, player in the FCS. Uh, Second year in a row, uh, last in the spring, was Jordan Lewis who won the Bug Buchanan Award. Now it's Isaiah Land who who wins the Bug Buchanan Award. Uh, Just a tremendous season this past season for uh, Isaiah Buchanan. When you take a look at uh, his stats, I led the SWAC in sacks. He's one of the nation's leaders in sacks. Uh, You talk about a guy, uh, 43 total tackles, 25 and a half. Tackles for loss, 19 sacks of three pass breakups. Uh, the junior linebacker led the FCS in total tackles for loss uh, for a Florida AM team that was ranked 10th in points allowed during this past season. So kudos to Florida AM's Isaiah Land.
2: Yeah, I get to vote in that. I was ecstatic to see that, uh, that his name came out of it. Obviously, Shador, we heard earlier about the Jarvis Rice Award. Uh, Coach Prime in terms of winning the uh, coaching award, Eddie Robinson. Big time right now in HBCUs. Obviously, they got it done in a lot of ways on the field. We talked about talented players, um, and they getting recognized uh, appropriately. So, And now you see it in a lot of ways going back in terms of the recruiting framework. So it's going to be interesting to see this cycle because things are really riding high. Fascinating to see there. Did want to give a shout-out. Just uh, as we talk about conference churn, we talked a little bit about Tennessee State OVC in terms of what was taking place there. Murray State leaving now—you got, according to HBCU Game Day sources, talking about MIAC Chicago State weighing options. Obviously, um, this came out from HBCU Game Day back in May that Chicago State uh, would have interest in joining the MIAC. Well, it looks like they're at least doing the due diligence. My understanding—nothing really there uh, in terms of how certain this may be. Uh, but they're taking visits. You have OVC that we talked about last week, why I brought them up, is they're looking at Chicago State too. Um, so it'll be fascinating. You, you have your pros and cons there. Obviously, getting in Chicago for basketball could be significant. Uh, mm. Travel, though, is significant yeah. when you talk about that. How do you deal with that? Uh, but also when you flow numbers, you know, six seven, um, it'd be interesting and fascinating. Does that outweigh uh, you start to see some conferences, Look at making decisions. That's more about steadying the ship versus uh, what you would traditionally look at in terms of regionality. So, it'd be fascinating to see from either side how this looks like. It looks like Chicago State is in the uh, in the pathway of looking at doing a feasibility study on football. You know what does that mean? How much does that help them? In what perspective? And then, like we said, do uh, you go uh, the MEAC, HBCU? This is a historically Black, right, predominantly black institution, not designated as HBCU in terms of its founding, uh, but it has like 90 uh, plus percent in terms of the population attending school being African-American black. So a lot of people for a long period of time have seen them in terms of third good Marshall uh, scholarship fund, eligibility a part of that, and assume over some people assume they were HBCU. So there's always that intrigue about Chicago State on uh, what that looks like. So it'll be fascinating to see kind of where that goes. But with that being said, let's take a break so we can come back and get into some of this basketball business. We'd like to get into MIAC, but um, more than anything, we would have to talk about the COVID-19 issues. Uh, didn't have a lot of games played there, so we'll stick to the SWAC. I'll give you some updates personally in terms of CIAA, SIEC in terms of records, maybe some games you can look at, men's and women's, but we'll get a huge dump over the next uh, two segments to get you into your basketball talk. So stick with us. We'll be right back as there's some teams playing really well in SWAC. Uh, yeah.
1: Professor Bishop right. may know
2: a little bit about the Jackson State <laughs> women's side about it because they in yeah. people's heads. Southern says not so fast. So I'm kind of looking for that matchup over the next couple of weeks. But before that, you got Texas Southern coming in to Jackson State and all corn. That means you on the men's side, you have an undefeated team, Going up again is, can they hold on? It'd be fascinating to see. Coach Bussey is doing his little magic, you know? Get into that, stick with us. We'll be right back as we give you some teas and let you get a deeper dive as we talk about the hardwood in the next segment. let Let's get back to
0: strolling instead of scrolling. Before we can safely come together, we need the facts on COVID-19
3: vaccines. Visit getvaccineanswers.org so you can make an informed
2: decision for yourself and for your fam. Supermarket sushi, really? No. Wait. Troy, you work here?
1: I'm never not working. Like Head & shoulder Scalp Shield Technology up to 100% dandruff protection even between washes. Never not working, huh?
3: Oh, Troy, you're such a good teacher. Yeah, I know.
1: <laughs> never not working. Never not working never ever not working. Are you serious? Never not working. Standard protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology.
3: Support the Black College Sports Network so we can continue to provide you coverage. Go to myjbn.com slash support and be a part
2: of the Black College Sports Network. everybody can follow their This is Dr. Bill with Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Watcher Charles Bishop. Coming back to talk a little bit about the basketball, let's start on the women's side. Let's just get the information out there in terms of what they're doing on the hardwood. As I said, the first thing that you got to really look at is, I mean, I looked at the schedule for Saturday. It was getting all excited for me at games and looked on the women's side and literally for Saturday, all four games were postponed. Obviously due to COVID. I was like, man, you talking about COVID wrecking shop. You go over to the men's side and be like, okay, that's unfortunate. And three of the four games uh, were postponed. And then similarly on Monday, as they do the Saturday and Monday as well, as you know, in terms of SWAT, you also have in terms of both men's and women's three of the four games. So tough weekend for the MIA. Uh, we will get in there in terms of the women's side. Let's look at uh, what they're doing there. Uh, Basketball-wise, fascinating. Uh, when you got Tennessee State, give them some love. Six straight wins, 4-0 and in the conference race. Um, Getting it done in a lot of ways, men's side is solid, too. But in terms of the me, I I did want to get your general thoughts, Mike, in terms of postponement. You're going to have to make those games up. How does that hurt you later down the road when you may have some of these weeks where you have to put in three games? And I also want to get your opinion on that, Charles, as well. Starting with you, Mike.
1: Yeah, so if you look at, if you look at a lot of the policies, I think it's as you say, you're gonna have to make it up. I think the policy is you got to make it up by a certain date. So if you parlay those or you cancel those and you get maybe one, two, three weeks, you get close to you know the conference championship, you could have some t- teams that are tired. You you could have another instances where you just can't play any other game. That's gonna put a lot of pressure on your program to travel here, travel there. That's going to increase by a factor of I don't know how much practice, you know, some factor if you have to get three games in one week to make up for previous games. So that's going to put a lot of pressure. You want to get those games in. You want to get those wins in. But, you know, that that's my fear. Is is, is that very there? How are how are you equipped to manage those games if you have to, you know, load them up on the back end to make up, you know, by April or, you know, whatever the date that's given by the MIAC by the CIAA? That's, well, that's one of the concerns with, you know, with this COVID policy. So um, that's Great. something that comes to mind. Great point yeah. to make there. To be specific, I'm
2: going to shift to Charles and get your thoughts on that, where you're going in it? But that was Morgan State that was supposed to be at North Carolina Central, Norfolk at Mer- Maryland Eastern Shore, Howard at Delaware State, Coppin at South Carolina State. That was Saturday games. On Monday, you had Morgan State at South Carolina State postponed, Mid Eastern Shore at Howard postponed. You did get the Norfolk State at North Carolina Central game in. Norfolk State, the Spartans got it done 80-70. to Again, Charles, what are your thoughts in terms of just how COVID is wrecking shop early in the season? Yeah, I think Mike hit the the nail on the head
0: when we take a look at um, trying to make up these games, especially uh, we talk about it all the time. You want to kind of be on the upsweep going into the conference tournament play and uh, you worry about teams running out of juice toward the end uh, in terms of trying to make up these games uh, from COVID. Uh, it is a, a product of the reality. I think um, everybody across the nation is going to be dealing with some postponements to a certain degree. And uh, we are especially uh, akin to it uh, within the HBCU community. So uh, it's going to be a tough sled in this basketball season. And we just kind of take a look from the celebration bowl through now, how Omicron has really taken hold to uh, the athletic community and, and, to sports world uh, uh, in general, uh, going forward, it's going to be tough sledding getting through this uh, winter and getting through this spring, uh, but we know that there is going to be a top-and-out point at some point, and you hope teams do whatever they need to do to mitigate
2: the circumstances. Right. When you talk about the jumping in, looking at the men matchup, yeah, Coppin State at South Carolina State. Coppin State, you know, they defeated South Carolina State. They was playing some good basketball, loading up on some wins. They get it done 74. 465, uh Tyree Corbett tied the season high with 23 points. And so they won it going away. I was interested to see uh Colorado State just coming in at 10 and 14, South Carolina State 79. They got the big win. So that was fascinating uh in terms of what that looked like. And then um South Carolina State doubled down because Morgan State was able to get the game in with South Carolina State on Monday. Morgan State, the Bears get the win, 88-81, so South Carolina State. They got two games in, but they're 0-2. Fascinating to see what that looks like. Credit uh, to um, Delaware State. They're going to try to get the game in on the men's side on Wednesday, Delaware State and Norfolk State. Um, so I think that's a smart move. You do have the leg crunch of going in and playing Saturday and Monday again. But at least you're not pushing that down. You've been off. I saw that from Prairie View. We'll talk about that a little bit later um, in terms of how that affected them, maybe against Mississippi Valley, the largest, biggest upset of the game, not to get too far in that and spin off. Uh, but in terms of South Carolina State coming in 0-2, Compton State, Morgan State, getting a win. Charles, what are your thoughts in terms of what this looks like on the men's side that they were at least able to get you know a couple of more games in versus what you saw on the women's side? Yeah,
0: they were able to get a couple more games in that South Carolina State early momentum. Uh, from the uh, out-of-conference season, kind of blunt as you get into conference play. But uh quality wins. has compensated than State over South Carolina State this weekend.
2: Mike, what are your thoughts on, on what's going on there? Uh, as I said, South Carolina State Bulldogs coming off that high, winning the celebration Bowl, thought they could parlay. You had Coach Poop kind of put that out there, that their basketball team was playing better. So they were looking for some big things. I know it's early, but, man, it's got to be tough Come off uh, the, the season start knowing too. What are your thoughts, either on Coppin State, Morgan State, or
1: the Bulldogs of South Carolina State? Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. You thought they would come in. I think the the news is you know Coppin State starting whether they one and 2 and o, you know. So you know. So it's it's still early in the season. I think South South Carolina State's going to you know kind of turn the corner, and I think they'll they'll perform. They have some good. They have some good players in there. They have a, a, a pretty decent bench. So I don't. I think it's too early to really say, you know, what's going on. I think South Carolina State will end up somewhere third, fourth in the pack, just looking at their squad, eyeballing it a little bit. But um, you thought you thought they had some minimum momentum. They're 7-10 overall, which going in the conference page is not bad. If you look at a lot of the other teams, not only in the SWAC or the MEAC, typically, you know, we have these out-of-conference games, and then we go into the – you know, we go into the regular season where we have our components, and you, you have a lot of of, of uh, teams that are two and fourteen or three and eleven or whatever. So I, I think they're still sitting well. So I just say R E L A X, relax.
0: relax. Mm-hmm.
1: That's easy. easy <laughs> to relax yeah, I know it's all. I know if you Jackson State over
2: there, then not oh,
0: he not relaxing. relaxing <laughs> over <that laughs>
2: <way>. but. <laughs> let's go in there and go to non-conference team to give them some love. I want to go into the OVC first, Uh, Tennessee state in terms of what they do in conference, got a big bounce back win. they're one and one uh, as they continue to move forward. Um, Pretty good play this season thus far in terms of what they able to do. They're six and eight. And that's after getting a couple of tough losses, Seems like they bounce back a little bit one and one, Including uh, that last win, they just got bounced back as they defeat Southeast Missouri, ninety-five to eighty-four. Some people said they uh, upset. People had Tennessee State coming in and beating UT Martin. Martin uh, new coach that came over Bethune Cookman, why I kind of bring them in and had some interesting in that. He's jumped out there and beat up on Tennessee State, ninety-four to seventy-eight. Uh, as I said, Tennessee State bounces back, not doing what they did on the women's side. That are rolling off some wins 4-0 early on in the season, six straight games. What do you think in terms of Tennessee State, either on the men's, women's side? What do you see about the program there, Charles? Uh, Tennessee State, they, they grabbing any of your interests? Are you like, uh, let me see some more? Uh, I
0: want to see some more from Tennessee State,
2: but definitely the women starting that 4-0 in conference play. That's uh, kind
0: of turned my attention over in their direction a little bit more. Uh, come on Tennessee state. Boy, y'all gotta y'all gotta give me something, man. I tell you. Uh but kudos to the uh, to the late tigers. <laughs> 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 hey, you start talking OBC. I'm like, no,
2: oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me give you this. Marcus what? Fitzgerald Junior had a season high 23 points as Tennessee State topped Southeast Missouri. 95-84. Yeah. Mike, what are your thoughts? You, you excited about Fitzgerald? He's getting it going. No, you going to I'm, speak with I'm, the I'm, I'm a little bit. Of Tigers over there over the They're six and zero. Oh. I mean, they won six straight games, four and zero. Oh, I should
1: say in the conference. I'm a little bit more excited about the women's uh, at nine and six, to be honest. Four and zero oh in the conference, and they are beating quality teams. So, whereas you look at the men's, you know, you look at some of their their wins you know, IUPUI, Lipscomb, Charleston Southern, but they're losing to, you know, <laughs> the UT Martins. There's, you know, their last win, I think, was CU Harrisburg, I, I, Harrodsburg. I don't even know where that is. So against quality wins in the conference, other I, I'm sorry, I'm just not convinced. Whereas the women on the other hand, you know, they're showing you something. Uh, you know, I don't want to get into the statistics already, but I think I will. And if you look at, you know, you look at overall statistics leader. You know, they're they're in the top two. You know, in scoring offense, scoring defense. So I'm a little bit more excited about the women. I can't get excited about the men just yet. I need to see some more. Well,
2: let's Boy, stay I- in the independent. Let's go
0: to the big side with the Aggies. Uh, go ahead, Charles. You want to, you want to pound on Tennessee Boy, State Tigers? A little I- more? I'd be glad with Mike being here because when you ain't here, I have to swim out in the deep end of the ocean talking about OVC. <laughs>
1: Oh, you
2: know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, here
1: to, I'm, here, to, I'm here to take this like, I got broad shoulders. You, oh, yeah. <laughs> I got broad shoulders.
2: <laughs> there, there, there you go. Um, going to the Big South with the Aggies. Women's side, not so much. Men's side, we talked about last Thursday. They had their opening win uh, of conference play against Presbyterian. They won 65-57. But the key thing is they're actually 2-0 and on Saturday. They rebounded and had a nice, tough win against Radford, just squeaking out a victory uh, as uh, Marcus Watson puts up 18 as they get it done against Radford, 73-72. to 72. Um, They came out, had a five-point lead, first road game. Uh, they Radford got it back going, uh, but then they do squeak out the victory in terms of what's going on there. Sticking with you, Mike, anything about the Aggies? 2-0 in Big South. is something big. You know, they got divisions in the Big South.
1: Anything there? No, you know, actually, I, I will give the Aggie some credit' starting out two and oh, you know, um and and they look to have some some quality losses. I you know, I, I will give them a little credit. I think they're on like what a two two or three game winning streak. again, yep, three games, yeah, three games winning streak. so i'll I'll give them some credit. I'll see you know where that parlays into over the next couple of weeks, but I will give them some credit, however, Sorry, the women, they're at the bottom of the cellar at 0-2, 3-1 and 2, three, and, mm. 3 and a million. You know, you'd like to see, you know, a little bit more life, a little bit more offense coming from that squad. But I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic to see what the Aggies can do on the court as they get into the mix of their conference play. Mm. Charles, if he had a top
2: five, I think you could argue a would be in there, at 79 overall. I know it's early, but they got it done in non-conference play. At home, Corbett at 4-0, still a tough place to play. Love what yeah. they're able to do in there. Two yeah. and seven on the road, but you understand that early in the season. Can they translate that in the big south? As Mike said, they've won three straight games, two and zero in the conference race. Um, they're in the northern division, along with Longwood, High Point, Hampton. That'll be an intriguing matchup. Uh, what that looks like in Campbell. Hampton is 0-2. Just make sure we give uh let them know what's going on, four and eight overall. Hampton is 3 at, 0 at home, so it would be interesting to see if they can bounce back a little bit and get back into this race um, as Campbell is the bottom 0 2. But looking at AT, Hampton on the inside, anything you want to say about what's going on there?
0: Yeah, I think Mike hit the hit the word that I was looking for. Cautiously, cautiously optimistic uh, in terms of what they are able to do. Of course, we know anti uh, pedigree program coming from the MIAC and all that they were able to do over there. Uh, we know playing at Corbett is one of the tougher venues uh, I think in the nation. Yeah, they get raucous up in there. So you know, you you look for them to, uh, to really hold serve at, at home and really play. Teams tough on the road. So I love that. I love that basketball program that A&T has. So I think they're going to be fighting it out over there for the duration of the season over there with those
2: camel camels. <laughs> the camel Toad. Mm-hmm. You're talking about camel camels. AT, as you said, 0 2, but shout out to Coach Six, David Six over there in Hampton. They continue to do what they do. Uh, they're 2 0. Be interesting if they can fight themselves off and see if they can put self in a position to actually get a Big South championship. So we'll keep an eye on them. Let's get back, take our next break. On the second half, we'll come back in the third quarter. We'll get into SWAC play, and we'll talk about what's going on in the SWAC, more games. So we'll take a deeper dive of who's hot, who's not, uh, give you some indication to see what Charles or Mike thinks about uh, some of the bigger games or bigger upsets or where they shocked in this early part of the season. Most of the teams in the SWAC have played four games, some of them just three but quite a bit of action there outside of those teams that had to forfeit some games, i.e. Prairie View men's basketball. They get off the losing side. Stick with us, we'll be back, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. They did it in great fashion. Even the coach is not in there, but we'll see that on both men's and women's side to see how COVID is affecting not just the games, but also coaches, not necessarily players, but coaches not being on the sideline. This is Dr. Ville inside HBC Sports Lab with Mike Watts, Charles Bishop. We'll be right back after this break. This is the
3: BCSN Pod Zone, your place for the news, views, and conversations about all things related to HBCU athletics. Here, the BCSN Sports Wrap, Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab. Knights of the Roundtable, The Pre-Game Show, The Carlos Brown Show, The ONG, Strike Zone, and more in one place. We are changing the way you consume HBCU Sports one broadcast at a time.
0: Bounty versus the Old Family Dish Towel. Drying with a
1: fresh sheet of Bounty leaves your hands cleaner than a used dish towel that can carry and redistribute food residue. So ditch the dish towel for better hand hygiene. Bounty, the quicker
3: picker-upper. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slow Burn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge, featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars visit our website www.slowburnwaco.com that's www.slowburnwaco.com your
2: ad could be ran here myjbn.com backslash support myjbn.com backslash support for more information This is Dr. Ville inside HBC Sports Lab. Let's get into it, as they say. Start with the women because Shuri's not dead. Let's go back to our Saturday scores. We had Southern defeating FAMU 71-55. I told you coming out of this weekend, I was really intrigued about what this matchup would look like. Got a chance to get a little bit of the feel watching it on Facebook as they do Facebook Live at the game. Fascinating. And then you had the Grammar, Bethune-Cookman. Grammar gets the win 66-61. Bethune-Cookman's played some close games, but they lost most of those games. They get swept this weekend. Jackson State, Alabama State. Jackson State, 79. Alabama State, 58. The women of Jackson State are making statements. Not only they're beating teams, but they're like thralling teams. Uh, You thought this matchup would be an intriguing one in terms of what went down. Last year, I wondered if they were seeking to make a statement. If they were, they certainly did it. August State at Alabama AM and sixty-one to fifty-nine. Mississippi Valley at Prairie View, Valley loses eighty-four to seventy-seven. Arkansas Pine Bluff, Texas Southern, Texas Southern uh, takes a nail as Arkansas Pine Bluff gets out there with the victory, eighty-six to eighty-two. The uh, women of the Golden Lions, they get it done. They get it back on the winning side of things. But then they take that trick. To the prayer review will talk a little bit about that in terms of what that looks like on Monday. Close out those scores. Southern continues to make their statement as they beat up on Bethune Cookman, seventy-four to forty-seven. Southern also, much like Jackson State, when they play teams, they beat them down. Grambling, FAMU, FAMU gets out of there with a sweep as they beat uh, Grambling, eighty-four to seventy-eight. Jackson State over Alabama a Check this score out: seventy-nine to fifty-two. Uh Alabama AM women were picked to be pretty solid and won a couple of games splitting the other week. But wow. Texas Southern puts up 100 points. That's with seven women on the court. That was Huge. amazing in terms of what they would able to do. Cynthia Cooper is out with COVID, so that's the uh, assistant coach getting it done. Credit to him in a lot of ways. Uh 166 was that score. Pine Bluff defeats Prairie 73 to 63. So Pine Bluff evens up their record at two and two. They bounce back. On the road, big road victories as they sweep Texas. That doesn't always happen. Alcorn State, Alabama State, Alabama State 74-39. to They bounce back and make a thumping of the Braves uh, as they got thumped. Seemed like they wanted to get a little action there. Talking about the women's side, let's go to you, Mike. Women's basketball, you see the standings there quickly. Just give you an update, you have Southern at 4-0, Jackson State at 3-0. Uh, Alabama State, as they took a loss, their first loss, they dropped to three and one. FAMU rebounds these two big victories as they go to two and one. It gets back into the winning side of the things as they split, I should say, They had that last second shot against Bethune-Cookman. Pyebluff is the one that bounces back two and two. Prairie View is uh, at two and two. Texas Southern at two and two. So you can see right in the middle it's clogged up. You do have those teams that have not gotten a win in conference play. Bethune-Cookman at 0 and 3 and Valley at 0-4. Mike, what are your
1: thoughts on some of these matchups, records? Where do you want to go? Right now it's a traffic jam in the middle. Southern and Jackson State have stood out right now immediately as a team to beat, and and it's not even a question. It's been convincingly. How convincingly? Southern, they beat, you said it yourself, Bethune by 30. They beat FAMU by, oh, a measly 25. They beat Purview by 40. So, <laughs> They're beating Texas Southern. They beat Texas Southern 10, but I would say Texas Southern with an asterisk because I don't know how good they are. They've had four games that canceled. Coach Cynthia Cooper is out on COVID. I don't know how good they are, but they're kind of – let's say they're in a traffic jam. Right now, Jackson State is about doing the same thing. Not only are they beating teams, they're beating them convincingly. So, you know, they beat, what, uh, the Bulldogs by 25. They beat Bama State by another 25, 30. So they, the two teams really, it's basically separating the wheat from the chafe. You know, you see Southern and Jackson State as the early standouts. Now, Alabama a and they were supposed to have a pretty good team. You'll see if they can pick it up, you know, over the course of the season. But that's what stands out, at least at this point, this, this early point in the season. You know, you have Amisha J- Williams uh, from Jackson State. You know, you have Dylan Horton, uh, you know, standouts early in the season for scoring, you know, but rebounding. You have Amisha Williams. You have Amisha Williams in every other category. So if there's one individual standout (laughs) at the state, she's kind of picked up from where she left off last year. Amisha Williams rebounding and scoring. So those are my early data points so far. Also defense, defense. I'm sorry, defense and offense. You have pretty much the same two or three leading the swag early. Yeah. All teams are trying to manage this whole COVID thing. So teams like Texas Southern, maybe you know, UAPB, Pur Review, you don't know how good they can be because they they seem to have been hit harder with this COVID-19. But yeah, so you don't know how good they can be. But right now it's a Southern and Jackson State uh kind of kind of division right now.
2: Yeah, you're talking about in three. Three weeks, January 31st. We don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but looks like that may be a big one. We'll see how it matches up. We got a couple of games before that. We'll do some of that pre-game talk on Thursday. But now let's talk about what happened on this past Saturday and Monday. Charles, anything stand out to you? Uh, perspective, or you in agreement with Mike in terms of what Southern and Jackson State have done in terms of not just winning ball games, but how they want ball games? or there some now, other things sticking out to you in terms of the sweat side of it on the women's
0: side? Definitely. I, I think Jackson State and Southern have, have kind of separated themselves early. Uh, I think it was a huge statement this past weekend, Jackson State going over to Alabama State and Alabama and and getting a sweep in the manner in which they did it, and they were just dominant. Amisha Williams-Holiday, uh, Saturday night, 26 points and 18 rebounds against uh, what many were picking with Alabama State, the number two team uh, right behind Jackson State. And then you follow that up Monday. Uh, taking on Dariana Lewis, another double-double magnet. Uh, and uh, Misha Williams-Holiday, again, stands out again in that game uh, with a huge 20-point uh, uh, performance and 13 rebounds. So I, I think, you know, we can say it's Jackson State and Southern and everybody else at this point right now. But one of the things I've been doing is kind of checking the box scores to see if those key players are playing. And that's why the Jackson State-Alabama State sweep State, uh, or the Jackson-Alabama suite kind of stands out to me because those star players were playing in those, in those games for, for both teams. So I think that's, you know, a data point that I just kind of keep in mind with regards to uh, balancing things with COVID because you want to make sure that those, those star players are in the game and before you kind of make a snap judgment.
1: Yep.
2: Well, I, like, I like that point you made in terms of who actually played in the game, not only just the scores that took place and why it may be bigger statement than some people made uh, think offhand. Getting on to the men's side, Grambling defeats Bethune-Cookman 68-66. Great matchup there, entertaining game. Southern defeats FAMU 80-66. Uh, Close for a while, and then Southern has been able to do what they've done. They pull away late get the victory. Uh, big games there, getting it done. Alcorn State may be the surprise to a lot of people on the men's side. Coach Bussey down there defeats Alabama A&M. That was playing some pretty good basketball. And you know how they are in Huntsville. They get it done 78-71. Jackson State and Alabama State. Uh, Alabama State takes it to Jackson State. Uh, not only beat them, but they beat up on them, 72-57. Coaches, uh turn around. He's out in terms of different, not COVID, but the birth of a new child. Interesting there as he gets back in the mix. Uh, but you have the upset probably in a lot of people's minds. Mississippi Valley defeating Prairie 84-82. to Went to overtime. Was at that matchup. Uh, Prairie View twice had a five-point lead with two minutes, both times in the regular session, and then overtime allowed Bally to come back and they finally get it done in that matchup. You have Texas Southern putting up ninety points against Arkansas Pine Bluff, beaten by nineteen. Let's go to Monday when you talk about some of these scores. As you have Southern over Bethune Cookman, sixty-nine to fifty-nine. You have Grambling losing to FAMU, seventy-five to sixty-six. Alabama A A&L, and M get some victory close one. I went, watch this one down to the wire. Big buckets, big plays at the end of the game with the Bulldogs pulling out at home, 60-58. to 58, Rebound after the tough loss on Saturday uh, to continue to downboard spiral of The Jack State Tigers. Interesting when you talk about those top teams, what they did last season and how they hit the skids. Prairie View defeats Pine Bluff. They bounce back, make a statement, 75-58 as they get it done. allcorn State Braves continue to win. Surprise a lot of people. They defeat Alabama State, 70 to 60. 60. those are the scores sticking with you Charles what do you think on the men's side in terms of the pair of games they were played this past weekend definitely the Saturday
0: night game with Valley uh, getting the upset at Prairie we know how difficult a place uh, the baby dome could be uh, it might have been helpful you know for the students You know, tonight. ending that
2: long uh, 30 game win streak it comes yeah. to the end you got to start it over now
0: that was huge. That was huge for Mississippi Valley on, on Saturday night. But
2: I think the Hawkeye Braves,
0: I think we're starting to see uh, Landon Bus's team is for real. Uh, they start out conference play with the win on the road uh, at Jackson State and then do it again uh, this weekend with Alabama State and Alabama AM. and m So uh, the Braves playing some great basketball. And, you know, it's disappointing to be honest with you, Jackson State starting out uh, 0-1-3. Uh, thus far in the season, uh, trying to find out who is going to pick up that scoring slack uh, with not having Tristan Jarrett uh, on the team uh, this season. Uh, it'll be interesting going forward. We saw Malachi Wyden, you know, the, the Jackson State football player, uh, really come in and do some damage against Alabama and him, hit some big shots and some big threes in that game. But, but we'll see if the ball, the, the ball finds his hands a little bit more going uh, through this season.
2: Mike, you have Southern at 4-0, all-pointed 3-0, as you said. Alabama A&M 3-1. couple of teams sitting there, Texas Southern, bounces back after their loss on the road to Southern, but they come back home, get two sweep wins and big scores. They're 3-1. and um, Only team that hasn't had a win, as you said, is Jackson State sitting at 0-3. Prairie View finally gets their wins, get off the snide They're 1-3. and uh, it be interesting to see once Coach Smith gets back into action, Done that without in first two games. They forfeited. then they split at home. As we said, stopped the win streak. Pablo gets one and three uh as they're looking up as well. Mike, what do you say?
1: Yeah, so you know, it's some, some really interesting point. You look at, you know, some of the teams and who has the most cancellations, whatever. You know, I kind of look at purview kind of like I look at, you know, the TSU for the women's. They have, you know, four cancellations due to, you know, COVID protocol or or COVID experiences. So you don't know what they can do once the coach gets back. I don't say what's, what's surprising is uh, – what's surprising to me this year is how good Alcorn State is. Yeah. Uh, I think going in, if you would have said that they would be 3-0, and starting off the SWAC, it would have surprised me. So we'll see, you know, what they could do. Southern, I don't know what's in the water. You know, the women and the men's program doing well. You know, they're 4-0, 9-7 overall. You know, they're probably, you know, one of the top-scoring teams. And, if you know, they've got some really good quality wins, you know. So, if you look at their last couple of games, you know, they beat, you know, they beat Bethune, they beat, you know, FAMU, you know, Prairie View. That, that one was forfeited. And then they beat a tough uh, – they beat uh, Texas Southern, which is down, of course, because of COVID. So, they have some players that are out. So, it, it to me, it looks a little bit more – with the men, um, because of the COVID, I don't know if the COVID seems to be affecting more teams in the men's side. I I really don't know that. I think time will tell. I know that so- you do know that Southern is for real and they're pretty good. You know, Alcorn is pretty good. What you don't know is how good Texas Southern is. You don't know how good uh, Alabama State or uh, you know Prairie View, even for that matter, and even uh, Mississippi Valley. They're one in three. You know they're down in the half. But, you know, is it COVID? Is it something else? That's to me the unknown factor with some of those teams. And I don't know if I can weigh in just yet. Yeah, as you said,
2: need a little more data points, more on the men's side maybe than on the women's side what you look at. What's fascinating to me, though, for the Braves, they're 3-0, and they've done that on the road. You know, okay, road. you say yep. you split on the road. They take down their rival on the road. <laughs> and then they go to tough place to play, Alabama. Uh, both. In Huntsville and Montgomery, they get wins on the road. Those two teams, Alabama AM, and more mature than ever before. They play solid, getting wins. They get it done. It's fascinating to see what goes on uh, this weekend. But this weekend, they get to play the Prairie View tech Texas 17. Uh, it'll be interesting. Coach Smith should be back on the road. We get to see maybe is Prairie View uh, a little bit different in terms of getting some of those players back, coach back, or is just the indication that Prairie View is kind of Swung back in the other direction. And then you got the big giant, Texas Southern. Should be a fascinating matchup when you talk about that, get another setting. The other thing with Coach Busty and Coach Smith, obviously Coach Busty was assistant coach at Prairie View. Fascinating matchup again when you talk about the, you know, coach and the mentor coming out. I'm fascinated to see what that will looks like. Let's get into our last break. We'll come back, give you some records of what's going on in CIAA, SIAC, And then we'll – tell you, come back on Thursday, and we'll get into some of these matchups that you can look forward uh, coming up this rest of the week and into the weekend. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this break.
3: Itchy. Squirmy. Scratchy. Family not getting clean? Get Charmin Ultra Strong. Go get him. It just cleans better. With a diamond leaf texture your family can use less while still getting clean. Goodbye, itchy squirm. Hello, clean bottom. (laughs) (laughs) We all go. Why not enjoy the go with Charmin? Thank you guys for what you do.
1: Head and shoulders has a scalp shield technology protects against flakes even between washes. It's never not working. Kind of like us. Number 15. Never not working. I don't like this one. Me neither. Let's get out of here. Head and shoulder scalp shield. Never not working.
3: It's like a loot machine.
2: This is Dr. Ville inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop back for our last segment. Let's get into some of the Division II action, CIWASIC, give you some updates of what teams are doing, overall record teams to kind of keep your eyes on. It's early on over there, but some teams are kind of trying to separate themselves. On the winning side of things, let's start with that Northern Division, Virginia State, looks like they're um, back into it, doing what they want to do. Overall, just eight and seven. Uh, Have a one game win streak, but they sit at the top of the conference at four and two. Behind them trying to get it done is a log jam with Elizabeth City State, Lincoln, Pennsylvania, and Bowie State sitting at two and one in terms of the conference rates, getting down there, uh, sitting at 10 and two, 9 and four, and four and six, respectively. So you see non conference Bulldogs kind of struggle a little bit, but uh, right in the middle of the race. Then you go in the Southern Division, hadn't played as many games. Remember, you're going to see some of this unevenness with COVID cancellations. Going back and forth, you have Livingston sitting at 3-7 and 7 overall. But they're 2-0 in terms of conference race. Winston-Salem State, 2-1. and 1, uh, Also, Fayette also 2-1. and 6-4, uh, and 5-6, and 6 respectively. Shout out to Livingston and Winston-Salem State. They have a two-game win streak as uh, they get to that 2-0 and 2-0, and, 2 and 0, uh, respectively, in terms of what's going on there. Let's stay with the women on the SIC, uh, see what's going on there a little bit in terms of the standing. In a lot of ways, fascinating in terms of what you see in that match. Remember, you do have Allen and Edward Waters. Uh, they playing some SIC games, but not sitting in the standings. This is on the east side, if you would. Allen at 0 and 4, Edward Waters on 1. Doing some work on the basketball court. We'll see if that changes the tune of things a little bit there. But uh, all the action is pointing to Savannah. Savannah State, 7 0, 11 and 0 overall. Yes, ranked top 25 in terms of what they're doing. Benedict is right, nipping on those heels, 11 and 5, overall, 6 and 1. Clark Atlanta says, don't forget about us. We're sitting at 4 and 2. Fascinating to see what goes on there. In the West, it's all teams all up in here. Nobody is really separating themselves. Overall, it's 8 and 5 when you talk about lane. But in the conference race uh, in that West division, they sit at 4 and 3. Tuskegee at 3 and 1. They're really the ones pushing if you would, talking about 8 and 2. Miles, Golden Bear sitting at nine and two, three and two. Can they make some things interesting for Tuskegee? That's what you got going on when you talk about SIC. CIWA in terms of what they do on the men's side. Lincoln, Pennsylvania, six-game win streak. Sit at ten and four in that Northern Division. Lincoln, Pennsylvania. All right, in some basketball business. Conference-wise, they sit at three and zero, oh, right behind them. Virginia Union. It looks. Like they're going to be tough. Nine and three overall, but sitting at two and zero. Let's go into the Southern Division when you got to look at Fayetteville State, four game win streak, sitting at eight and five overall, three and zero in the conference race. Behind them, you have Saint Augustine at one and one, but you have Winston-Salem State at three and two, nine and four overall with a three game win streak. So some interesting matchups coming uh, on the road should be interesting in the next couple of weeks. Last one, we'll look at the SIAC on the men's side. Give you a look in terms of what's going on there, what teams to watch out for. Give you some love to Allen and Ever Waters. 0-2, Everwaters Waters has not played a game against the SIAC foe. Remember, they're transitioning over. Benedict again in terms of what they're looking at. 12-3 and overall in the conference race, 7-0. Looking serious in terms of what they're doing. Morehouse is trying to figure out their way. 8-6 overall, 5-2, so they're still in the hunt. Uh, but you go down to the west and you have Miles that is just three and one. They only played four games there to talk about it. But to Skinky with 14 games, they split it overall seven and seven, but four and two in terms of what that looks like. Log jam with the rest of the team. So it looks like the balance of power in the east. We'll see what that looks like. You do have some crossover games, so it's fascinating there. Let me, tell you, Charles, just overall your thoughts in terms of a team or two that you want to keep your eyes on as we move forward, men or in or women? Savannah State women. Uh, that, that jumps out at me.
0: Anytime you say undefeated, uh, normally when we kind of look over in that direction, is it's, it's Benedict women and, and, and everybody else. But uh, shout-out to Savannah State getting it done over there. So uh, looking forward to what they uh, have going the rest of the season. Uh, early data points say everything is moving forward for them. So it's going to be an interesting watch.
2: Mike? Your thoughts,
1: S I C C I A A men's, women's. Where are you going? Let me start with the S I C, uh, Savannah State, for the same reasons that C B said. You have a team that starts out, you know, what eleven and 7 and zero. I mean, going through, you know, <laughs> external, you know, uh, teams and internal teams, and they're doing. <clears throat> they're they're yet they have yet to be undefeated. So. I'd be interested to see you know what what they do the rest of the season. The other thing is Benedict. Uh, what's in the water, Benedict? Both men's and women's. The Benedict women they're right behind Savannah State at six and one, eleven and five. And of course, you see what the men are doing. I don't see anybody. Maybe I, I, if you talk to the SIC experts, maybe Miles can step up. But you know the the Benedict men they're seven and uh uh-uh. uh. And 12 in a little bit. So, you know, what's <laughs> going on with Benedict? Can, can their men's and women's pro, uh, programs run the gamut this year? I'll be interested to see what happens with both teams. Great points made by both. Let's call it a show.
2: Thank you for listening to Inside HBCU Sports Lab. Make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. I am Dr. Neal the dean of HBCU Sports. Thing, Kabil. The Lab. One thing, Dr. Kaville.
1: One thing. With Mike Watson, Charles Bishop. Did you jump in there? And want to say something, Mike? Yeah, real quick. Thank, thank you, Raymond Holly. I would be remiss if I didn't recognize the passing of the great Barbara Jacket, uh, women's track and field pioneer for Prairie View A&M. Uh, She passed uh, a, couple, a few days ago. Her memorial service, I believe, is Saturday. So much about her, uh, assistant coach for the nineteen seventy nine Pan African Games. She was Olympic track coach in nineteen for the 1992 uh, uh, USA track and field team. Uh, so much a pioneer, if you know anything about track and field. So uh, kudos to her, her career, her legacy, not only at Prairie View a and but with women's track and field. So uh, just mm-hmm. out there, I didn't get it in earlier. So sorry well about said.
2: that. Uh, well, uh, well said. Well said. Well said.
0: And, Doc, I wanted to say shout out to Chuck Hunt. I, want, I appreciate you sending me uh, that clip of Mississippi Valley State, uh, a video of them in the 1965 Tournament of Roses Parade. Uh, me and my sister have been looking at that uh, ad nauseum. My father was a participant in that uh, with Mississippi Valley State's band, the first HBCU band to participate in the, in the Tournament of Roses Parade. Uh, but we've only seen still photos. We've never seen a
2: video of that. So I appreciate that, Chuck. Wow. Yeah, great point when you talk about that. Uh, also, I want to give co- condolences to the fam you out there as they lost a tremendous individual to play football with them in terms of what that looks like. Um, so, did want to do a moment of silence uh, in terms of Bobby uh, Lane, uh, Rattlers lose SIEC uh, MIAC legend over the years, 38 championships as a track and field coach, uh, legends there. So, we'll pause before we close out, give them a moment of assignment. Recognize that because you talk about Coach Barbara Jacket, you're talking about barrier breakers, both these individuals, yeah. uh, just tremendous icons in terms of what they've done for HBC sports. With that, we'll close again. We want to thank you for listening to Dr. Bill's Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop, every Tuesday and Thursday right here at 6 o'clock. We look forward to next week as we discuss the, the latest in the news. When I say next week. This Thursday, I should say, follow me, Dr. Neal Cavill, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Again, that's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Inside HBC Sports Lab 1 on Twitter, Facebook, Inside HBC Sports Lab on YouTube. Dream big. Continue to move forward. We will talk with you soon. Charles? Of course. Mike? Lecture. Dismissed.